Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast, the only podcast that is exclusively dedicated to super modified racing. My name is Tom Baker, and I am excited to be back in the saddle again for another episode. And this show is going to be cool. We have got the wrencher for the first time, Robbie Worth will be joining us next here on the Inside Groove. And of course, uh, Robbie just turns, well, he turns 17 on Tuesday, but they're celebrating the birthday this weekend. So um, if you're hearing this prior to Tuesday, the 24th, then um, it's an early birthday, but uh, he celebrates his 17th birthday on the 24th of January. So, um, and it, it, Robbie is is going to be on the show. So that will be fun and we'll also have what's in the number, which is, again, it's going to be twofer as we do the number two and the number 11. Now, I, I managed to do exactly what I feared last week. I said that I was sure there would be at least num- one number one that I'm forgetting. And Larry Trinka didn't hesitate to remind me, uh, which is why I like Larry. Larry is one of our super fans. And uh, he, uh, he jumped right on that. So we'll... Uh, We'll detail that later and I'll, I'll share some, some thoughts about it because it brings, definitely brings some thoughts to mind. Um, first, however, some news. Um, I'll start with some news about Inside Groove. So I have been saying for the past several months that the, the goal is to end up doing more Inside Groove content. Well, I have good news. There will be more Inside Groove content in 2023, and here's how we're going to do that. So what's happened is that over the last uh, couple of years, we've, we've introduced some different ingredients into this show that kind of, at times, if we were to, to just put it all together every week in a show, the show would be three hours long. And I know some of you have said, that's fine, no worries. Well, but... Honestly, uh, I get tired of hearing me after about an hour. So if you don't, then thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, but I think part of you is lying, right? So in, in an effort to expand the number of times that you see super modified content, we're going to do some things a little differently, starting immediately, really. And this is how what we're going to do. The season rewind segment that we kind of got off track on last year um, because I interrupted it first with my kind of sudden desire to focus on the port city in 76. Um, And then, you know, as the season went on and we had guests and we had cam and we had, you know, there's, it just was hard to get back in the rhythm of that. Well, guess what? That will now be its own segment, its own little mini show. We're going to do, we're going to start doing those as a separate content piece. Now, what that means is that we're going to be able to, it makes it easier for me because what happens a lot of the time is when I, when I schedule a show, I have the open segment, I have a guest segment, I have what's in the number, I have the season rewind And then if we have cam, you know, so there are five different basically parts of that show. And if, if I, if I finish three of them on Tuesday, 
but I can't get the guest or maybe I can't get cam or whatever. It just delays the overall output of the show. So what we're going to do is some of these kind of little segments that we do that can be their own piece. That's exactly what we're going to do with them. We're going to take the season rewind will now be a separate piece of content where that's, that doesn't require anyone else for me to do it in terms of actually doing it. It does require sometimes that I have somebody help me with a particular program or whatever. And we've got a few of you now that have volunteered and um, thank you so much. Um, uh, Kevin Timmons helped us out with what will be the first we're going to do this coming week will be the debut of that. Now we're, I'm going to say for now, every two weeks is going to be one of those. The goal is to get it to weekly. Okay. So there's a couple, a couple of steps. I'm, I've got some goals here for this year, but I've got to be able to basically break up some of these longer shows into shorter bites in order to get more consistent with, with content production and distribution. Because there are two things that happen when I, when I finish all the pieces of a show, I have to spend time putting them together. Okay. In what we call editing or post-production. And then, then I have to let that save, which it takes about 20 minutes usually to save, especially if it's a long show, it can take 20 to 30 minutes just to save the thing. And then you have to post it to the place where we sort of put all the audio files and then you got to share it to all the social media and that all takes time. And so what I'm trying to do is to make my process easier, but also to be able so that I can then spend more time doing content and get it out faster. And instead of, you know, so the season rewind will become its own separate segment. And and again, I'm going to, going to start it every two weeks, but that's a thing where if I have the next three programs ready to go, I could sit down in an afternoon and do three or four of those at a time. And then I have them. So then that's when, once I kind of get, get a batch ahead, I'll go to weekly with them. And then we'll just, and, and then the next goal is to have it at the, have everything come out at this at a certain time on a certain day, every week or every two weeks or every month, whatever it's designated for. So you all know what to expect and when, because that's been a big problem for me is just the consistency and timing, right? So all of that's coming. Now, that's also another reason why I've got this magic platform, the community platform, but I'm not gonna, I'll get to that next week because we're opening that on February the 1st. So that will... Um, we're opening the free community on February 1st, the subscriber area. If you subscribe to the magazine, we're opening that one probably the week after. Okay. But you will get notified through your subscriber email on how to get that one. If you're a subscriber to the magazine, do not download the free community yet. Just wait, get the subscriber one, and then we'll tell you how to add the free community to your your account on the platform. Okay. Which by the way, it's free to, to sign up. Um, if you're subscribing to the magazine, you've already paid for the subscriber area. And of course the free one is free. So for those of you who aren't subscribers to the magazine right now, we hope all of you will be eventually, but, um, 
for, for those of you who aren't, the free community, which is where all the Inside Groove content will be, it's free. <laughs> That's what it means. It's free. It, it, you'll get a QR code. Just shoot the code. It'll walk you through setting up, downloading the app, and then our app, and then, and, and then signing up for an account. It's all free. And once you're in there, you will never miss a piece of content ever. Okay? <laughs> but we'll talk more about that on next week's show. What I want you to know for this week is that, again... The season rewind will be its own separate segment. Okay. And that way I can have as much fun with that as I want. Also, um, whenever we can reach Camden, that will be also put out as its own segment. I will not wait until I have Camden to do a show. Again, I'm trying to make this so that we can get to more inside groove content more often. Okay. So, Camden will be kind of the newsy segment and whatever. And when, when he can do it, then that's what we'll do. Um, the, the, where are they or the, which that's kind of what that is, is a 50 year rewind. Um, we'll start with 72 where we left off and then we'll just keep going. And that's going to be fun because we've obviously got a lot of content, right? So, um, that'll be a good time and we can do more of that faster. So that's going to start happening because I can produce that. And, and, you know, like I said, I can get, get a few ahead and then that way I can start same day, same time and just tell you when the next one's coming out. And again, back to the platform. Beautiful thing about that is with the platform, I can do a push notification and you'll all know when the next piece is coming. And then you'll be able to just, just, uh, open the app and, and click on it and, and enjoy it. Um, you'll be able to listen to it through the app. You'll be able to watch any video that we do through the app. We'll have live stuff that'll all be done through the app, through the community, through the, through our app on the magic platform. So, um, I need all of you. And then once you all see this, you'll understand why we're doing it. Cause it really is a, it's a time saver for me. And then I can kind of farm it out to all the socials from there or whatever. But, um, we're going to be able to do things, um, with, with that community that I can't do on social media. It just isn't possible. So, um, so there's the good news. So there'll be more content. And then I can also, if I want to write articles or, you know, transcribe some things or whatever. And then of course we've got the magazine. So we'll be able to do a lot more content this year around, um, super modified racing of all types than what we've been doing in the past. So I hope you'll enjoy that. Um, and, uh, so you can start looking for the season rewinds. Um, we're going to put, like I said, the first one will come out this, this, this coming week. Um, next news item spoke to Jeff West. He still has the super motor is, is, is going to be fine. Um, and he does plan a limited, racing schedule once, twice, whatever, um, next year with obviously with, uh, Santos. So you will see that super modified hopefully next year. Uh, he, I don't know if you guys knew this, but, um, a majority of the midgets at the chili bowl, a lot of them have his body work. I didn't know that he had about 20 of them in his shop. When I spoke to him just before the chili bowl started. So, uh, things going well for Jeff West right now and their midget, their midget team, which is, you know, his kids basically run that. 
Um, their midget team is doing extremely well, and you know they're really excited about all that. Also, um, I spoke with uh, Rich Worth from JNS Paving, of course, because Robbie's going to be on the show. Rich and I spoke the other day, and um, he's really excited about what he's doing with JNS this year and and um seems like he's in line for a good year if you need a paved job driveway or parking lot whatever call him please let him know first support the people that support racing and ditto for sean cathcart spoke with sean lagroff's pub is aboard this year for the show and um and skips fish fry although the downtown oswego location has closed the food truck lives on. The brand will still continue at the racetrack. And then also um, he's part of Super Dirt Week again this year. And he has a, a, a schedule that's being laid out for that, that food truck. So Skip's Fish Fry is only the downtown location is closed. The brand lives on. And if you would like fish for lent if you're uh, a catholic and you know you take part in lent where you only eat fish on friday no meat um lagroff's pub will be serving fish on fridays during lent and if i had a bell i'd ring it that's great news so and his goal for lagroff's best pub burger in the city i'm just gonna say best burger in the city i bet you guarantee you um so can't wait till I can get up there at some point. And uh, he's got a huge menu at the pub. Check it out. It's very extensive. And you know, the big deal with Sean is it's all done with care. And that's why there are two places in Oswego that I just, I, I like to promote. Um, and, and anything Sean Cathcart does, which means Skips and LaGroffs, is one because care, great care homemade great care gets taken in the preparation so it's better quality and then i've all at larry miller you all you all know you've heard me talk about larry um and uh the his his pizza place it is absolutely the best pizza in the city of oswego for the same reason because again larry miller and his staff take great care in their preparation of it a lot of the stuff is homemade and they do a great job. So anyway, thank you to both Sean and Rich uh, and Jeff for uh, being back on board this season. We appreciate all of that. And um, we're hoping to have all three of them on the show at some point, not at the same time, um, but uh, we're, we're definitely going to try to get Jeff on as soon as possible just to talk about some of the racing stuff he's got going in them. Um, we we want to have Sean on to talk more about the pub. Um, so if you're wondering about LaGroff's website, it's LaGroff's, L-A-G-R-A-F-S, L-A-G-R-A-F-S. Um, there's no apostrophe in the web domain. LaGroff'sPub.com if you want to know more. So, all right. I think we got through that in record time here. So again, look for more Inside Groove content to be coming out. Um, if you're wondering, by the way, what does that mean for the actual podcast? It just means it's going to get a little shorter um, because we'll, we, we are going to focus on the open. We're going to focus on 
the guests, and we're going to focus on what's in the number until we hit 35, which will take us through um, probably this, you know, through the year or most of it. So um, we're going to be able to, uh, to, to condense the shows a little bit, but bring you more content, you know, at different times. We're not going to put it all out at once. And that's why I was saying it's a big advantage for me if I split some of it up because then I can just um, kind of turn and burn, if you will, um, get the interview, get it out, get the, you know, get the, or get the content, get it out. So um, Camden's, uh, the content we do with Cam will be separate. The, um, the, the rewind will be separate. And that also gives me now more sort of free license to, like when I did that 76 port city, I should have thought about doing that separately. It just didn't occur to me because everything is about this one show. Right. So, um, now I can, you know, if, if something else comes up or I want to do a, a, a two or three, uh, piece series about a certain driver or a certain error or a certain car or whatever, it, it can just happen. And it just becomes, its own content. It doesn't have to live within the big framework of an inside groove show. So it'll make the show shorter, easier. And, um, again, hopefully more fun. Um, by the way, (laughs) I know I've threatened with this. Well, I can tell you there is a design that is in the works for the first inside groove t-shirt. Um, I had a cool idea about a week ago and I've got a designer working up a, a design for, for a t-shirt. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I just, the merch line thing for me, I I don't want to just stick merch out there for no, you know, valid reason. Right. But, um, and if we're going to do something, I want to do something kind of funny and interesting that somebody would actually want. Right. So, um, we're in, in when this design appears, we're going to do a pre-order. So that way I don't have a bunch of you know, merchandise that that isn't selling. We're going to do a pre-order, but we've got an inside groove shirt coming out. And if this one, if this one gets interest enough interest, then I've already got a second idea in mind, but I want to, I want to put the first one out first, just test the water. So if y'all like it and y'all respond to it, then we'll, we'll do more. So that's, uh, that's in design. And I, it, it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be cool. So, all right, that's it for the open. We're going to take a break and let you hear from one of our great supporters. When we come back, Robbie Worth, the wrencher is going to join us. And then what's in the number? We'll finish it all off. So thanks again for joining us here on this Inside Groove. Stay tuned. More to come. Be right back. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indie Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services 
from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to The Groove as we continue with episode 111. Our featured guest is with us now via the Inside Groove hotline or race line. I guess I got to come up with a catchy name for that this year. Um, Robbie Worth is with us for the very first time. And I've been looking forward to doing this interview for a while. Just haven't had the opportunity to catch up with the wrencher yet. But uh uh, I, as I said in the open, I really feel like Robbie is, is extremely old school and, uh, in the way that he sort of got into racing. And, um, although he is now just 17, um, you know, he's been around this for most of his life. So Robbie, first of all, um, thanks for coming on. It is great to have you. Can you think back for us and tell us about the very first memory you have about racing. How did you first sort of connect, and how old were you? Um, I was 12, and my dad was like, hey, you want to do something one day? And he took me over to the shop, Cameron's shop. He was like, we're going to go work on a race car. And I was like, yeah, I'm bored anyway, so why not? <laughs> and then Saturday rolled around, and we went to the track to help him. And one thing led to another, and here we are. So you so you got into this then through Cameron Rowe, is that right? Yes. And that was at his shop? Yes. Okay. And then we bought a car, and then my pretty much crew guy, like main guy, Dan Denny, was like, I got a driver for it. And it was Mike. And then, Mike Bruce, okay. Yeah. And Mike kind of stuck with us for quite some time yeah you guys were and you guys were you know have become really good friends too which is great and and i i know that you know in a lot of ways mike kind of you know took you under his wing a little bit but what i mean you you've learned to wrench obviously by the nickname um and yeah. and that's how you started what 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 was your fascination with with working on the cars at such a young age when so many of your friends are playing Fortnite on on uh, video games? I mean, it was fun. I mean, when I was younger, younger, I had dirt bikes and all that, and I would work on them. And then, like, if something broke on, like, the dump truck or the bobcat for my dad's business, I'd help fix that and stuff. So I kind of already was interested in wrenching. And then the race cars really just where it all came from. And and it seemed very natural, too. I mean, from, from what I hear, from everything that everyone tells me about you, you've really kind of picked this up very easily and very naturally. And, and Oh, yeah. it's The driving was easier than everyone explained. Really? The wrenching was easier than everyone explained. Wow. Those are big statements, actually. We'll get to the driving part in a minute, but um, I want to stay focused on the wrenching because one of the things that your dad and I talked about yesterday that that I really, I guess I wasn't really aware of, um, I mean, 
obviously I've only met you once and it was at the shop and I was watching you work away. I think it was on Cameron's car at that time, I think actually. Um, and, yeah. and, um, I mean, I, it was obvious you knew what you were doing. Um, but you, you also have a fascination for the motor side of things. Is that right? I mean, is that something also that you want to learn about? Uh, a little bit. Obviously I'm going to have to learn at some point how the engine and everything works in the car. Because my dad and Dan and Cameron aren't going to be here forever. Well, that's true. Uh, obviously, there'll be other engine builders, right? But you, you're, you're yeah. right. It's good but to have I that like knowledge. I to do things myself. <laughs> well, see, and that's another thing. I think that's a great quality for a young man your age, that you are so kind of focused on making sure that that it's right and that you, you are able to do it yourself. Um, so... Do you have some, are there any memories that kind of stand out for you of your, of the wrenching side of your career, which I, obviously you still do that for your own car, but like in the, in the, in the earlier years um, of of the last few years with Mike driving and all of that, what's, you know, what are some things that, that are, that sort of stand out in your mind, maybe some races or stories or whatever? Um, Probably showing up the track every Saturday when we were running big block and 350. And Mike was kind of glued to the uh, big block. And he's like, he showed me how to do the tires on the wing car. And I will just go over and ask him, hey, what do you want for stagger and all this? Okay. And I would do the 350 car all by myself. Like, Oh, wow. All, like, my dad was in charge of the top wing with air and everything. At the time, the cylinders were leaking and stuff until we got new ones. Right. Because we didn't know that, like, we needed new ones and stuff. But, yeah, I would do all of his tires, make sure his transponder charged, everything. Wow. I'd clean it at the shop weekly, nut and bolt it. So you were basically yes. the crew chief? E- yes. Wow. That's awesome. His brother, Robbo, would help me in between from his car because he was driving at the time yeah i wish you get back behind the wheel me and dan daddy well that's uh yeah and and see there again like you had um you know robbie and robbo and 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 again it's it you guys were so i say we're so young you are so young i mean rob Rob is robbie bruce older than you but like you you at such a young age you guys really know what you're doing which is which is really kind of interesting and that was that was a formidable group when when you guys were all together like that. Yeah, it was fun for sure. Um, so now um, things have kind of evolved a little bit, and um, you you kind of you know split, and and now it's focused on your driving. So um, you grew up wrenching. At at what point? How did the driving part really start for you? At what point did you go to your dad and tell him you wanted to drive? Did they ask you if you wanted to drive? How did that come about? And, and I didn't, I didn't really ask. It was like I was like thirteen, fourteen when I was. They were like mentioning it and stuff, and then I got into the go karts for like yep. a year and a half. Not even, that? I don't think. How much fun did you have with that? Um, it was fun. I don't think I'm going to miss it too much. <laughs> I know a lot of people that say that when they get done with go-karts, I might, actually. <laughs> might go back to the go-kart days eventually, just for fun. Sure. Yeah, yeah but, I think it's... And then I was 
15 and my dad was like, you're doing great in the go-karts and stuff. And I was working on the cars weekly for Mike. And he was like, do you want to drive the 04 car? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And then Mike was there by my side through the whole thing, him and my dad, with the whole letting off and all the breaking points and everything. So they were great through the whole thing. Okay. And then it was like after the third practice, I was doing 19-second laps, like low 19 seconds, and I was just bored, 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 bored. Like, I want to get into a race. He's like, if you if you don't wreck the car this entire Fast Friday, we'll start you on Saturday. I was like, all right, I won't wreck the car the entire Fast Friday. <laughs> and I got down to like 19-2. He's like, yeah, you're starting tomorrow. Went back to the shop, mounted my four race tires on the rims, and went out, timed 10th. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be a, lot, a little tougher than I thought. <laughs> Started, like, 20th and drove the 8th. Wow. Like, I remember that, that 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 your first race that you did. Now, but, but, I mean, what was that like? Because, obviously, it's a lot different when you're running laps by yourself. I can see why you say you're bored. Some people would raise their eyes at that and be like, well, what, is he cocky or what? And it's like, no. It, it but um, when you're when you're out there by yourself, it's just you know you that's what it is, and you kind of get into that rhythm, and then it's just that's what it is, and then when you get out with other cars, that's when the racing really kind of takes over. But you had no other than the carts, you had very little racecraft training. I mean, you were you you. It's one thing to know you know your your braking points and all that how to go fast. It's another thing to know how to pass cars and race in traffic. And you drove you you ended up eighth after starting twentieth. How did I mean? What was that like for you? Um, it's pretty exciting, honestly. I mean, I did a lot of sim racing before, like while the go karts and during the ah, winter. And okay. Stuff. So I kind of had an idea, and then race day came, and me and Mike sat down on the trailer. I was like, we haven't talked about this. We need to talk about this. How do I pass cars inside, <laughs> outside, all this? And he said, don't be nervous. Stick it on the outside. You'll do fine. <laughs> and I was like, typical right. Mike Bruce. And then <laughs> practice and time heat race came around, and that was just learning experience in general, following everyone's line. I passed a couple cars in the heat race, and I was like, all right, this is easier than I thought, and <laughs> it was fine. Wow. 20th days. So, so talk about the small block experience as a whole, because now, obviously, we got a transition because you're you're obviously going to drive the 350 this year, and and the small block will be an occasional <clears> thing if you know if at all. But what what's what, what what is the small block like at this point for you, and and how's that been, and what's it like being a driver who now has to tune the car for himself versus a a, a wrencher who has to tune the car for somebody else? Um, honestly, the SVS was fun while I was driving it. But once I got in a wing car, it was a completely different animal. Oh, of course. Faster, yeah. handles better. You don't use the brakes. Uh, you can just drive it as hard as you want in the corner, and it's going to stick pretty much. The SVS, you got to be a little more nodgeile on the brakes and the throttle and the steering and everything. Yeah. Um, 
I suppose you can bump her with someone and nothing happens. 350, you can't really do that. No. The front wing and all that. Um, honestly, I can tell a car pretty good. I come in, I go, Dan, you need to do this, this, and that. And he goes, go ahead, do it. And most of the time, it makes it better. Okay. And if it um, doesn't, then you learn, right? I mean, that's kind of how you... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I learned from Cameron pretty well about the whole tuning car and stuff. Okay. Matter of fact, he's here in the shop. Uh, okay. Talking about the wing cars and stuff. Nice. And after we split up with Mike, I went over and was working with Cameron and driving and stuff. And then Classic came around and I was like, because Friday, like the week before Classic, they have the testing and stuff. Right. I was like, Cameron, this SBS hasn't been right since I rocked it. Can you get in the car and tell me what the heck's going on? And he got in the car and fine-tuned it and things was a rocket ship in Classic. I mean, time child fifth. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. And then the race came around and the track was completely different because it rained all morning that morning. And yeah. Then, I didn't go out for practice because I knew the car was good, and I probably should have went out for at least one practice session. Just to gauge the track. Yeah. Yeah. I did that in the wing car, and the wing car I fine-tuned, and it was great. Until about lap 26, and the car just went tight. Okay. And so, the obviously, the, the SBS Classic didn't end too well for you. But, no, it did not. But, you know, it was that was unfortunate that you got caught up in that bad decision that got made. But you you um, you know, you were having a great run until then. And I kind of felt like you were, you know, you were starting to really make your move, um, you know, at the time that happened. And it would have been interesting to, to I mean, where do you think if you if that hadn't happened, wh- wh- where do you think you might have ended up in that race? Do you think you had With top all five? the other cautions? I think I would have ended up top 10 yeah probably around sixth or seventh because okay. the car was really turning on like dan said it was yeah would he said once the fuel load burns off you'll be fine car will be wicked good now wouldn't sure enough it the fuel load burned off and the car was coming around i was passing cars left and right lap by lap i was picking off two three cars every lap what it was it like driving both the sbs and the 350 on the same day. Oh, it was, it was tiring. It was a long day. <laughs> I kind of neglected the SPS a little bit because I was putting main focus on 350 because I knew I could draw one through six. Yeah, I was like, Ooh, that's good, good, good starting spot. And then I was the last person to draw, and I'm like, the number one pills in there i'm starting pole <laughs> was, there, was, was, was that like, a holy I, crap moment for you i wasn't too excited i knew it was going to be interesting to see who would get the jump because i never started on the pole before right and then dan came down on the track while i was getting strapped in and stuff and he goes you're gonna do fine just get into a rhythm hit your marks and don't mess up and i'm like i'm good at going fast by myself but other cars right behind me wanting the number one spot. And there's a lot of, lot of good cars behind me, like Brian Silvis, yeah, Chase Locke, Jeffrey Battle, all them. I'm like, whew. And then Perry got the jump on me. Props to him. And then 
restart came around and I got Perry and was good in clean air and then caution came out for someone and then Solbus was on the outside and we raced side by side for a lap or two. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was fun. It was great to see you doing so well and and you're that's you when you talk about kind of thinking about starting on the pole and you you said, you know, I'm realizing all these people are behind me and you, you can really psych yourself out if you're not careful, right? Because it the mental focus of of kind of what you what you tell yourself when you're strapping in and getting ready to go and in the way that you think about what's you know what you've got to do over the first few laps it makes a makes a big difference like that was a pretty big stage for you to be on so early in your driving career to be on the pole for 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 a classic race like that i thought you handled yourself really well yeah um I was a little nervous at first because, like, time trial day, I wasn't nervous at all. It was, like, a normal Saturday at the yeah. track, and then Sunday showed up, and we did the whole driver introduction and everything, and I'm like, this is classic weekend. Yep. <laughs> it's a, yeah, big stage. Like I said, it's a big deal, and and you feel the weight of that. You feel the electricity of that, and you feel the extra sort of added, you know, um, added uh, – I, I think responsibility in some ways or, or, you know, I've that this is the one, this is what we work for all year. Right. And you're on the pole and that yeah. it's a big deal. And, and that was cool that you had that experience. You actually, I feel like in some ways, and you may not necessarily be able to relate to this, but I bet that, you know, Dan and, and your dad and everybody will, but you had like five years of, 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 knowledge crammed into one because running both cars and being able to then um you know have that experience of what it was like to be in two classics not one but two and then starting on the pole in the one and then you know having the sort of lowest of lows in the sbs classic with the result right like you've 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 kind of crammed um several years of knowledge into one and and now i feel like I mean, first of all, is today your birthday? No, my actual birthday is Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, I have uh exam in school, so we're doing the whole celebration thing today. I got you. Okay, so, uh, well, happy early birthday. It's 17, right, for you? Yes. Yes, it is 17. 17. So, but you're going to come out in 23 now, and you're mainly doing – the 350 i i think your dad said maybe opening day in the in the uh small block um, or no small block's gonna be evans mills yes on may and then opening day at a studio obviously okay. both cars okay and then i think we might do mr sbs okay some some more traveling shows Okay, so run Dan's and then series. Three fifty is going to be full schedule as we go. Um, we're going out to Star Classic Navy. Okay, and then we might. I heard there's a show out in Ohio, Sandusky. I think yeah. Yep. And then we're going to that for sure. We're gonna have a guest driver. Yeah, your dad told me about that. I won't let it slip. You can say it if you want. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, um, we'll save it. A little secret. Yeah. 
But yeah, we're gonna have a guest driver behind the wheel yep. of the Bonner car. I'm gonna be driving the former Kenny car. The Belfiore car. Yep. Okay. I think that'll be good out there. And, um so, but mo- mostly the 350 is the the meat of your season, and and you will be in the Bodner car uh, primarily in Oswego, right? Um, it depends, honestly. We're gonna test both cars in Oswego. Okay. And I told them whatever one's faster and whatever one handles better is gonna be our weekly car, because okay. obviously I'm not going out there to race for fun. I'm going out there to win a championship for Van Denny, because he's not gonna be here forever. You you keep saying that like uh, it, we, there's some 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 bad news somewhere that we no should, no we, there's no bad news no I know I'm just, just I'm just poking at you because you keep saying it like that it's like yeah. I get where you're coming from um and that's that was going to be my next question too is is so talk about Dan a little bit because he's he really has been a mentor for you in so many different ways um, hasn't he. He's doing good, obviously, but he comes to the shop every day. I'm obviously at school. I come home from school. I go inside. I change in the shop clothes, and I go out and sit in the shop until 5, 6 o'clock with Dan every day working on the cars. The red 350s just about ready for vinyl. Is that the Belfiore car? No, it's uh the Bodner car. The Bodner car, okay. Jerry did an amazing job on the body. Dan's nice. pretty excited about that car. He wants to change. We changed a few things on it. Um, he said the black car is going to be a learning curve for sure. He said it's more like the Hawk car that we wrecked on week two in twenty one. I think. Yeah. Um, he thinks it's going to be fast. That car's also pretty close to being done. Okay. So you, so now you, so you've got the two three fifties and you've got the small block. Um, That's um, SBS. We're leaving for Florida actually soon for the Daytona five hundred and stuff. Nice. So we're kind of sad to leave Dane here by himself. Well, but we're but- hoping to get the SBS back before we leave, so he has something to work on. <laughs> I was gonna say, by the time you get back, he may have built a whole new car. <laughs> knowing Dan, yeah, and then Cameron's here. Dan was here earlier. He went to. He had to go to the store and okay. stop at home and stuff. Yeah, but he'll be back. Um, Cameron said he would come up and help Dan on SBS and stuff. Nice. While we're gone, which makes me feel a little better. So he's not here by himself. Well, Dan knows his way around cars. So yeah, you know, him he's and, fun. Him and the cat will be just fine while you're gone. Uh. And, I like having him around. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm sure he likes being around, and, and that's, you know, you guys have really kind of been a home away from home for him, you know, in a lot of ways, that the, the yeah. whole sort of team, you know, um, including when Mike and, and Robbo and everybody were there, and then now, you know, obviously you guys, and then Cameron has always been a part of that as well. So you've really, it's been more like a big family for you, and, and I imagine that just, that has to make you feel good coming into the driving role that you had all those people that you could rely on to give you the advice and get you up to speed quicker. Yeah. Me and Mike still talk sometimes about the cars and stuff. And like, if I have a question at the track, I go over and see him and he tells me what to do. Well, that's good. Um, Dan has huge help at the track. Uh, 
probably my favorite part was when I time trialed seventh in the wing car, and then Sunday came around and I drew the pole and he came down on the track with a big smile on his face. That's awesome. Well, it's uh, it's great that you guys have been able to do all of that. Um, and so now I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I should say that you would love to sit in a big block at some point. Um, um, maybe no. Yes. Who wouldn't? Right. <laughs> you know, but so is there, has that been discussed? Is there a plan for that? Um, um, a little bit. Okay. So nothing. nothing. We don't have any ideas yet or anything. Yeah obviously but there is talk of it okay so there was also talk of a dirt car at one point oh boy so i don't know if that's gonna happen or if big walk's gonna happen i don't know well you had one once didn't you you had a dirt car for mikey right yeah and then we got rid of it yeah so now they make them every day can always uh go get one if you want one but that would be fun so is that kind of your I mean, I, 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 I'll ask the question because I'm sure somebody that's listening to this is wondering. I mean, you're 17. You're very young. You've, you've picked up driving really quickly. You've shown a lot of promise. Is there any desire on your part to, to take it farther than just, you know, the, the supers and the swiggle? Or are you just happy to be kind of the local kid and, and uh, um, become a legend at the Fast Five Eighths? Uh, if it happens, it happens. But the only thing... Other thing I'd try probably is a sportsman at Fulton or Utica Rome or okay. some sorts like that. Um, maybe, maybe if the time ever comes, street stocks and all that and an asphalt modified. Okay, now that would be interesting. I would I. <laughs> With your driving style, an asphalt modified would be really intriguing. Um, for just from my point of view, just knowing and watching you, and 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 you know, knowing who you learned from. I mean, you and Mike Bruce are basically you know one and the same on the track. It's it's hammered down. Um, yeah, I think you and an asphalt modified would be really intriguing. I've always wondered about Mike in an asphalt car too. So that's funny you bring that up, but, um, maybe you can figure something out for, uh, for the big sportsman modified race, uh, classic weekend. Maybe you can go find something to drive or something. Um, yeah, that's kind of dad's, that's where he wants to go. I told him we got to stay with the supers. We have <laughs> so many of them and all that. <laughs> Oh, what's one more car? (laughs) Asphalt Modified races Saturdays at Evans Mills. Well, but you you could go racing in that race on Classic Weekend and just run. Then you'd be running three cars in one weekend. That would be fun, wouldn't it? um, Yeah, it would be a blast. It would be a little stressful. I don't know if we're (laughs) going to do SBS 350 Classic again. Oh, It's to be determined. Okay. That's how I'm feeling and all that. Well... You know, it's uh, you've got time to make that. Actually, that's right, because I forgot if you did that, then you'd be. Do- well, no, it'd be three. It'd be SBS. It'd be 350 in the modified race. But but see now, if, if there were two, uh, is there is there a possibility that we may see another driver in either the SBS or the other 350 for Classic Weekend or maybe some other shows or no? Um, I we go 350 in SBS for sure. Guest driver. Okay. You already know who it is. Yeah. All that. Your dad just, told me. I just, again, if you want to say it, you can. If you don't, I'm not going to until it's time. But 
um, I've I've heard some some talk there. So and I hope that happens because I hope what I heard, I hope what your dad said happens because that would be awesome to see that. Um, yeah, he's a he's a good shoe. He's a good everything. Yeah, and you know, and uh, uh, another future soon soon to be guest on the show too. So that would work perfectly. But yeah, it's uh, it's great to um, to see the success that you've had and. Um, look forward to seeing what you can do this year. I have to believe you're going to come out this year and pick up where you left off last year, which puts you in line for, for a championship run because um, you were fast enough and you've got two cars. And then of course the SBS is, you know, old hat for you by now, pretty much. I mean, you know what that can do. And um, I could see you winning races in both of them. If you, if you, you know, if you have the, the right situation to do it. Yeah, um, SBS, I'm thinking it's going to be a good opening day, I don't know, because the whole Ricket Classic, we had changed tons of stuff on the car, Yeah, and all that, so it's going to be fine-tuning for sure, we're going to fine-tune at Evans Mills, and Evans Mills, Evans Mills setup and Oswego setup are pretty similar, so. Oh, okay, well, that'll help you get some track time before Oswego to get the bugs out, hopefully it'll be a good opening day, and then. Uh, like I said, the 350, I can easily see you winning races and running for the championship in that division. Um, and uh, what do you feel like is still the, the biggest challenge for you from a, with the driving? Um, I don't think there is one, honestly. Interesting. So you you think that you've think that you've pretty much mastered it at this point, or what? What do you still mm. think you're working on? Price, staying consistent behind the wheel, hitting my marks every lap. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. Comes in time. And, and you know, and obviously every every time you take a step up, as I'm sure you figured out when you got to the 350, um, you know, it's a whole new kind of whole new approach. Because like you said, with the 350, you don't use much brake. You know, you, 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 you can drive that harder. It's a different feel. Um, so something to adjust to, but you made it pretty quickly and, um, look forward to seeing what you can do this year. So I always want to close the interview, uh, with the question of, of, you know, who helps you make it all happen. And that's your cue for, for anybody that you want to thank. So have at it, man. And you got as long as you need. Um, I want to thank my dad, first of all, because he obviously does quite a bit. And second is going to have sure is he. Is always there when I have a silly question or something. Yeah. Then third is going to be Cameron Rowe. Okay. Fourth, I'm going to have to put Mike Bruce. Even though we're not partners or anything anymore, I'm going to have to put him fourth because he was huge help getting me started. Still friends. And then fifth is just going to be all my sponsors. Name them. Um, I don't really know them off the top of my head besides my dad's company JS paving obviously canales insurance my sister's cleaning business ambitious ambers uh i don't know the rest of them off the top of my head <laughs> always have a sponsor list for interviews there's there's your uh there's your lesson for the future always have a sponsor list for interviews um well it's been fun to to talk with you for a bit uh robbie and and let us get to know you and and i know that uh 
you know, basically racing is it for you. That's that's pretty much who you are, whether you're working on them or you're racing sim or you're, you know, racing a car somewhere. That's that's pretty much your your life. And, and it's been great to see you get the experience and, and kind of grow up around it and, and uh, can't wait to see what you can do on track in 2023 good luck and i'm sure that we'll be having you back on more and more uh as your season on on you know unfolds and and hopefully you go out and get a win and we can have you back on to talk about it sounds good all right that is robbie worth the wrencher and uh, we'll be right back with more of the groove after this is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses, because it's not rocket science. It's My Computer Career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to The Groove as we... Head into our final segment here for this particular show. Um, and I want to clarify something be- from the opening segment that uh, I said uh, in regards to breaking off the um, season rewind concept. That's now going to be its own show. It will be we'll we'll label it as an inside groove production, basically, or offering but um, it's not going to have its own show number just so you, you, you uh, cause I know somebody's going to ask, well, how is that going to work if you're doing multiple pieces of audio a week or whatever? Um, this only the main show is going to be, you know, the show, the, the rest is going to be basically an offering with the inside group branding on it, but it's not going to be considered. So it, if you, when you get the next uh, season rewind show, for example, um, you know, wherever that falls, if we've just done episode one twelve or whatever, we're not going to um, we're we're not going to call that one thirteen. Just so you know, um, and I I bring that up because it is now time to go into our what's in the number segment. So, um, uh, just making that clear that um, the season rewind will kind of have its own branding, if you will, and won't be considered a full show. It's just a piece of content. It's a special. Um, series within the inside groove architecture, if you, if you want to call it that. And that opens us up to do anything at that point as a special series, we can do a three part on something or a four part or a two part or, you know, so it really lets me start getting creative. Now that I know that I don't have to sort of figure out which pieces of content go into the big show. So the big show will be the open and a guest and the what's in the number until that falls off. And then, you know, if we have two guests or whatever, we'll, we'll just, you know, so you'll be getting multiple pieces of inside groove, but the, the main show is still going to be the main show. And, um, like I said, Camden, as, as often as we can get cam to do a new segment when, when those roll around, um, because he spends a, a good amount of time in Norway, but, We'll get as much of that going with him while he's here, and that will be its own little um, piece of content as well. And then that, again, it lets me think about, you know, what can I write? How can we? So um, it, uh, you'll see how this unfolds over the year. It really kind of just 
unsticks me a little bit and lets me just think about content is content. And then, you know, the main show gets um, a little bit more concise. Okay, so uh, here we go. So what's in the number? I'm going to revisit last week where we did number one and number 10 because I again, I knew that I there was a number one it, it, in my mind. I'm like, there's there's one, I know there's one that I'm going to be um going to get hammered on and larry trinka very nicely rolled it out there i missed that jeff west had a one uh back in the 90s um i just think of jeff as oh one that's always been um how i've thought of jeff as a one and yet you know obviously that's not the case because even the current car is one um so he uh that that car um was the car in which bentley won his final classic win, got his final classic win. And of course they had, he, Jeff had George Ken in it and, um, Dan Connors, I think drove it a bit, Donnie Joya a bit. Um, and so it was, that was interesting. Uh, that was an interesting car, interesting situation that year with some of those guys, the the Bentley thing, I mean, I, I've I've spoken about that classic, I think, before. And, you know, thinking back on it, it, it occurred to me that 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 classic, first of all, the Hollywood ending is it probably will will be unmatched in, in all of the classic races that I've been to. And we've had some amazing finishes, some dramatic last laps, you know, all of that, right? I just don't think there was a more Hollywood finish, a more unlikely scenario than that one that day. And it was one of those races, as I remember it, where if you, you know, you can look at it in in two ways, right? I mean, there are some people who would say that, man, that was one of the best classics ever because what you look for in a classic is, is, you know, drama and you look for the unknown and, um, you know, you look for who's going to be around at the end. And, and that was one of those races where it had all those things times 10, right? You didn't want to be the leader. It It feels like everybody that was in the top, you know, first or second or third, top three or whatever, it just so many people, you know, you'd be up front, drop out, up front, drop out. Westy was one of those, right? And I think, uh, who was it? Mike Muldoon. There was a bunch of them that were factors in the race and ended up just, you know, either crashing or breaking or whatever. And um, it came down to Bentley and Davey Hamilton. Um, it was, uh, that was just, that was amazing, honestly, um, how that unfolded and, um I mean, that reaction, you know, the, the crowd reaction when, when Bentley, you know, when he crossed the line, when they pulled up to the, when he pulled up to the finish line afterward, when he stopped, you know, the the crowd just went crazy. I mean, it was, it was great. And I remember, um, I was, I was working with Joey Hawksby on his crew and we, we didn't make the race. We missed it in the B main and, and, um, so I ended up back in the stands and I, um, I was trying to remember, I think my mother was, was, I think that might've been one of her last classic races that she went to. Uh, I think her and my brother were sitting in the stands and I kind of squeezed in with them 
for the for the main event for the race and just watching that unfold was was unbelievable and to see i i can still in in my mind's eye i can still see westy just jumping up and down like just you know and and westy's not really a an excitable guy right he's he's a very kind of laid back stoic sort of guy and to see him have that reaction i mean it 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 was it was just really amazing honestly and that whole scenario of bentley sort of just riding in on his horse right or you know horsepower right the marlboro man showing up and i think that wasn't that the year that he had the the goofy teeth it was you know was uh, i mean it, you know it, it it just again that those stories only happen in short track racing you're not seeing them in 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 the top leagues it's just not that's you know i, I keep telling people that that you know it it sort of frustrates me sometimes because all these young drivers that's why i love i love a driver like robbie worth when i asked him do you want to take this any farther there was no talk about nascar indycar f1 any of that and not that f1's probably realistic for him anyway but but you know because you got to have a country behind you (laughs) and um you know but but he it was not it was maybe a sportsman maybe a this but like he's he he's not dreaming that big and and that's awesome i love that because all these drivers and even media it, it these young kids that started media they all want to go be nascar they want to go be bob pockris and i like bob i know bob i like bob but you know at the end of the day short track racing needs the help it's like you you know be a we need we need people to be big fish in little ponds we need future world of outlaw stars you know we don't need all the kyle larson's turning right and coming over to to carolina to race nascar right we don't we need we need future uh open wheel stars and sports car stars you know we don't need um everybody wanting to all be in nascar it's like um nascar has become so much about you know all anybody thinks about it not listen i like nascar i'm i i enjoy nascar um and but i'm really more in tune with old nascar and the history of nascar and uh so anyway that that um that race and the way that played out that is what short track racing is all about right that that that's it was just a great uh great race and so yeah that number one um forgot all about westy being <laughs> so sorry jeff <laughs> but that's what happens on the spot you know again my brain i i have too many tabs open and um a couple of them are always frozen and i can never figure out which one's playing the music that's kind of how that works um so now we move on to um the number two and the number 11 now I feel like the the two now we talk about some of these numbers and we attach them to a driver. You know, the eight is Jimmy Champagne, the ten is Nolan Swift, the O2 is Eddie Bellinger. Um, you know, the one is Doug Havron. You know, that the there are certain numbers that there's just that one driver that that's that's who it's associated with and even if there were 20 other drivers that raced it you know there that it, it kind of the big the big impact was from that one driver well 
in the <laughs> in the two, um, I feel like this is one of those numbers, one of the few, in fact, but there are a couple of them coming up that to me, I feel like it's about a car. The two is not, I mean, even though there were some amazing drivers in that car, the number two, in my mind, in super modified racing is about the little deuce. It's about the pretty deuce, which I'm so excited to see is being restored. That is, I just am so thankful for that. I think we all are, you know, in this era in which we're kind of really into restored supers, thank God, um, you know, that, that car, um, that was, there are few more iconic super modifieds that represent an era than that one. And so thank you to the Purdy family and to all who are involved in the restoration. I don't want to leave out any names. So, um, thank you to all who, who have made that possible. Can't wait to see it done. And the cool thing is, is that obviously, you know, a lot of rust, a lot of dirt, you know, probably a lot of things that need to get replaced, but, but the car's intact, right? Pretty much it's it far more so than a lot of the cars that, you know, have been restored in, in the past. Um, the, the car is pretty much intact, so it can be sort of copied as needed. So if, if you need, you know, I don't know, for example, I'm sure there'll be a brand new body for it, but, but there's the body on it. Right. So, so it's in theory, it should be easier to restore that and take a shorter amount of time, perhaps because a lot of it's still there. Whereas with a lot of other cars, you haven't had that. And so that's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, very, very excited and very anticipative of seeing that car finished. Um, now for the drivers, I already know I'm going to mess this up because a lot of so much of what, what happened with the deuce happened in the sixties and I, <laughs> I wasn't even born until 67. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to, this is sort of thinking back at first and then we'll, we'll move on. And, and of course there were some other deuces along the way as well. Um, and I feel like I'm, there's going to be one or two again. I feel like the nineties is that's the area that trips me up and I refuse to do research because it's more fun this way and more fun to have you guys then fill in the blanks because that's, that's the whole point after all is to generate discussion and interact with you guys. So here's, Here's where we start. So in the two, in the deuce, the pretty deuce. Um, and again, if there were, if there were two cars, other, if there were number two cars other than the deuce in the sixties, y'all can fill me in because I'm only focusing on the pretty, pretty deuce. Um, I know Ronnie Wallace drove it. Um, Ron Lux, obviously I think was the first driver that maybe people paid attention to. You know, he was, I feel like among the list of drivers who drove the car and with no disrespect meant to any of them, I feel like that there were three who um, are sort of more, you know, made it more famous than the others and maybe four. Um, Ronnie Lux, I feel like was the first one. And if I remember correctly, I believe Ronnie... Uh, was he was not killed in that car. He lost his life, I think, in a USAC sprint car, a midget. 
some sort of open wheel car that wasn't a super. Um, and that was too bad because from what everybody says, um, that was a, a protege or a, a, a prodigy. You know, Ronnie w- could have been great, like really exceptionally great. And um, always a shame to, to lose a driver like that before they've ever had a chance to peak at their career. Um, and so um, then there was, um, I, I want to say if I, again, now I'm, I, I know that there was somebody, I don't know if Ronnie Lux was the one that used the pseudonym Bob Hodgson, but I feel like there was a guy who drove the car either that, that was his real name or it was a pseudonym, but I want to think it was a pseudonym, a made up name, a false name, a fake name that somebody runs under. Um, but maybe not that, that might've been, and maybe, uh, there was, I don't remember. There was a driver. Um, there was, gosh, I see now I, um, if, if I, now that I'm on the spot, I'm losing some of the sixties drivers, but, um, I know Ronnie Wallace, I know Ronnie Lux. And then again, like I said, there was somebody that was, uh, either really named Bob Hodgson. I think I just want to, in my mind, that's connected to the deuce, but you guys can fill me in on the earlier, uh, that earlier piece. But then of course, um, this guy named Bentley got in it (laughs) and, uh, oh my, I feel like Bentley was the second one, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Lux's time was all too short, right? What could have, what could have been, what might've been, um, Bentley, got in it, won the classic, um, you know, and, and of course Bentley, Bentley drove a car as hard as it could be driven and basically, you know, (laughs) whipped cars into submission pretty much, um, back in those days and, and really throughout his whole career. But I think he learned after a while to, um, to pace himself a little more and, and, um, you know, maybe not be so hard, on on a right rear but boy back in those days i would have loved to have seen bentley race the deuce um but he uh he carried the car out of the 60s won the classic i think that was 69 right 69 68 60 i think it was 69 i think right um and then uh andy brown didn't animal andy drive it i think start i think he started the 70s didn't he and then I think Warren Conium got in it. Now, Andy Brown, for those of you who don't know, I may may or may not be right about him driving the deuce, but I will say this. I know that he was an, an NHL hockey goalie. Now, I want you just to think about this for a minute, okay? Think about today if, like, I mean, pick your favorite hockey. Think about if Wayne Gretzky would have also been a super modified racer, right? <laughs> You know, or Alex Ovechkin or something, right? Whoever your, you know, Mark Messier, whoever your 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 favorite hockey player is, and I, I mean, I don't follow it closely enough anymore to keep up with who I, I still follow the Capitals because that's always been my team. But, um, but think about that a, a professional. I think it was Detroit Red Wings, wasn't it? That he played for Andy Brown, um, also raced super modifieds. How crazy is that? Like that's just something that I don't think gets enough um enough uh kind of you know there that should be a bigger footnote in history than i feel like it 
it uh, ultimately is. But I believe he drove the car. And then I think Warren Conian was the next guy to drive it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Warren, uh, if you ask Warren, he won a classic in that car. <laughs> and of course, I wasn't there, so I can't say. But if you ask Warren Conium, he won a classic in the deuce. Um, and, um, and, and honestly, again, if you think about that, if, if that would have been true or if it would have been recognized, right? Um, that was the year I think, I think that was when Swifty made up the laps. And I think Warren, I think if you ask Warren, he would dispute that that actually happened the way that it, they, that it's been said that it did. Um, I, I obviously have no idea, so I can't comment. I just think it's funny that, uh, you have this little moment in history and, and, and again, that's what makes short track racing, right? Because, you know, you just have these little footnotes and, um, but, but if you think about it, if Conium had in fact won that race, that would have been the second classic in what, what year was that 71 or 72 that no one did that. But it, so let's call it second classic in three years or four years, however you, whatever it was. But within five years that Carla won two classics, both with drivers with name with the name Warren, <laughs> you know, and, and again, um, that would have been huge for, for Warren Conium as a historical perspective, because if the rest of his career had played out the way that it did still, he would have three classics. Um, you know, he just, uh, again, I think Warren Conium was a much better, more, he, I don't think Warren gets enough credit sometimes. He, I don't think he gets name checked with the top elites that have raced in a swig over the years, but, um, he should. And, 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 and that was so, so Warren, he never ran a full season in the car. I don't think, uh, in fact, I'm not sure the deuce ran too many full seasons. Um, Howard had some sort of a, I know it was a, he had a business of some sort. I can't remember what, maybe machining or something, but, um, he, um, I don't think he ran. I don't think the car ran a lot of full seasons or at least in the seventies. Anyway, I don't know about back in the sixties, but, um, they uh after Warren was done, I think uh in that when Jimmy Winks got in, I think I think uh I think Jimmy was the next driver after Warren, right? Um and um or was Andy between them. See, that's where I get lost. And and again, that was all before me. The first driver I remember, and it was Jimmy. Jimmy Wings. And Jimmy was the last driver. Jimmy finished the he he finished the, the the car's career, and I would argue that that Jimmy was that other driver that everybody name checks. I don't want to say I'm not talking about necessarily best drivers that have driven it because I think all the guys that drove it were were really strong competitors. But I think um, they were all so they were some of the greatest drivers ever. But I think I think that um, when you think about the Deuce, people will either remember Bentley in it. Ronnie Lux in it or, or, um, Jimmy Winks. I think just that's kind of, and maybe Conium, uh, for the, for the classic drive. But, um, that was, um, Jimmy's career in it. I was trying to remember, and I think he did run in 73 when I started, I think the car did race pretty sure. And then 74 and 75, 
And that was it. Um, no, I don't think it ever ran 75. Um, I believe that 75 was the year that Jim, that Winksy went out and bought uh, the 71 Austin Brothers car. And from what I've read, and I have no idea if it's true, but from what I've read, he was he, he bought that car thinking he could kind of recreate the deuce. <laughs> you know, only one deuce. Um, and Jim Winksy won a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of heat races and semis and whatever, you know, preliminary races with, with that car, but, um, with the 71, which became the 22 one, remember, cause his dirt mod was two twenty one, And, and so a Swigo didn't allow triple numbers. So he, he put 22 on the car and then put the word one next to it. Um, Jimmy, um, Jimmy was very successful in the prelims. He just never could get a feature win with it. But um, he was the last driver for the Deuce, and that car—I mean, it—I've—I keep hearing it referred to as the immortal little Deuce, and and there aren't too many cars that I would would sort of attach that word immortal to, but that's one of them, <laughs> you know. There's just um. There are just some cars. There are, I mean, if it, there are cars that sort of represented an era, and I think the the Deuce was all about the upright era, the the '60s, and it just kept going into the '70s long after we had, you know, really kind of transitioned to roadsters. That was the upright that stood the test of time, and. um you know, it just was, again, that car was just, it, it, the immortal little deuce really fits, I think. Um, you look at the radical offset champagne car, that car reinvented the entire division. So I think you could immortalize that car, you know? Um, and I guess the Clyde Booth, I guess you'd have to, you'd have to say the Clyde Booth car, um, the, the, that became, what was it? The silver bullet, the, the first, um, aero car that Clyde built was, that was the car that, that again, redefined, um, it redefined what super modified racing was and made it what it is now. It, it changed it completely to, you know, aerodynamic, all, you know, wings and, and air and, um, you know, all of that that's that was the car that that reinvented the division again and basically made the radical offset worthless because it just didn't have you know so you you had to have an aero car you couldn't keep up and um so so i think i think those three cars basically i mean um i can't think of I can't really think of a roadster per se. I mean, cause there were, you know, I, th I think you could argue that Todd Gibson zero, the Flintstone flyer, but then Jimmy champagne had his wedge that became, you know, that car won what 55 races in several different sort of body styles and whatever. But, um, you know, but I feel like those three, I feel like the, 
you know, I don't know that we had a rear engine one because I don't think we ever really had a rear engine revolution. It, it Every time someone did something with a rear engine car, I mean, Gibson won tons with the rear engine cars, but he, he couldn't, he just could never get it to win at Oswego, right? He, he it was fast in the earlier 70s, but then um, obviously Freddie Graves and the four-wheel drive, but that was really just one car and it was only really a year. Um, you know, what it could have been, we don't know, right? I mean, what could have happened if they, if, if, if uh, Oswego hadn't banned the four-wheel drives, we don't know what could have happened there, but I don't know that there was ever a, a rear engine that revolutionized everything. Jimmy Champagne's rear engine to me was the baddest super ever built. And that car we could probably argue was the most successful rear engine car, perhaps at least at Oswego. However, when you look at that, it only won a race, one race. Now, you know, again, uh, had Jimmy not had some mechanicals or whatever, what, what it could have won but it, it really only won one time and then it had that classic drive with conium that got all rear engines banned um so it was more that ban was was a sort of f- forecast ban that if we don't do this you know then these 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 bad things are going to happen to the class right um so i don't think we ever really had a a, a, a rear engine that that sort of but that that eight ball, I think that that car was um, I would would hold up that car. Johnny Spencer, of course, and Doug Duncan were the first and only rear engine car to win at Oswego other than the eight ball or until the eight ball. But um, so I think the, I think there are only three cars. I would argue there are three cars um, in in Oswego Speedway history or super modified history that sort of stand up as immortal over the life of the division and they are the little deuce for the upright years, the, the early years, the um, radical offset eight ball. And then the, the Clyde Booth car that, that changed it to what it is now the arrow for the arrow years, basically. Um, but even, even Clyde's car, I went, well, I guess you could say, cause although it never ran full seasons, it won a bunch and it won classics. Right. So I, that was sort of, that sort of, um, led to Joey Hawksby and, and Paulie and, you know, and then every, everybody else, everything else that's gone on since. But so those three cars, but anyways, um, to get back on topic here, um, from the once the Purdy Deuce was gone, you had uh, briefly in '76 that number two that Jim Cheney drove first, the uh, Nelson Powell car. Oh my gosh! Oh, if that car could have only run more. So I just there are certain cars over time that in my mind I'm just like, can I just can I have like a big you know, wall size poster of this car just to stare at that thing was beautiful when it was first built. It was built for, I think a sprint car got banned, um, which, you know, I can see why, right. Um, you know, nobody wanted to have to build new sprint cars, I guess. So, um, then it ran as a super and they put the little sort of tail section on it. Um, Jimmy loved that car, drove it a couple different stints, over the the years that followed that um armin holly 
raced it a bit. Jeff Stevens raced it some. There may have been some other folks. Um, it was interesting that Jeff Bodine was supposed to drive it in the 1976 Port City race, but we all <laughs> we all know what happened to that race. And so when it first got rained out, you know, Jeff could never, they could never work it out for him to get back in it. So um, interesting that, again, what, what would have happened with that, that would have been fun. Um, then Del Meeks had the two in 77. That was the X Warren Conium dates car 46 Rutledge rocket. The final, um, Rutledge tribute car, I guess you could call it. So Warren, um, had, had Kemp build him a car for 77. And then halfway through, uh, Dave McKnight swapped Johnny Spencer for Conium in the six car, which was another new dates car that year. And we all know, again, the history of that. And uh, Warren sold the car to Del Meeks, who was a Canadian racer. Del raced it. Beautiful green racer, Roadster. And uh, had that awful flip in the Classic that year. And then um, got out of racing and sold the car to Joe Paino, who did run it, I believe, as the two the first week he had it. So I'm going to include Joe as a deuce. Uh, for that one week and then he put his 06 on it basically left the rest of it pretty much as was that so we got to enjoy that beautiful green color for um, a year or two after that and boy here we go so now we get to the 80s and this is where <laughs> for whatever reason this is where the brain starts getting muddy um, so now I've got to think for a moment two car two 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 um Oh boy. Uh from nineteen eighty forward. I wanna say that when Andy Powell came into Supers, but I think he was twelve. I don't think he was the deuce. I think he was twelve. Um gosh. See, this is I'm going to get badly burned on this because um, my my mind is just not letting me think in the moment of of uh, more recent deuces. Um, and I know there were some uh, that because that number again in it just. um, Gosh. You know what? I'm just going to throw the throw the towel in and go, okay, guys, um, fill me in because I know there's some I'm missing. And and I'm just it. My brain is just not um, un, until from the time. Oh, wait a minute. Because um, I'm trying to think because I was leading to the Joe Hawksby era. But I now when did that start? Joey was Joe senior was 22 when he started. When did he become the two? Maybe it was in the early 80s. I can't remember. Um, I think he had, because I guess he would have been the next one. Because um, I, I was trying to think if there was somebody between uh, the um, be, between the 70s and, and who was, if, if there was anybody before Hawksby. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think Joe changed the two early on because I think there was a point in the well, I guess it would have been mid eighties, where 
he had one year where he had a car that was numbered two. Well, no, he, when did he see, he, he built, he was always 22. Then he drove for capper, Mike Kapazinski. And then he built a car. And I think it was one that the gold car purple, um, was it red first, then gold or golden red? I can't remember, but there was a car that he built and I'm not sure if that, that was originally a Mike Kapazinski chassis or not, but, but I don't think it was, maybe it was. Um, but Joe built a car that was numbered two that he drove the Colonel talking about. And then he had, um, he had the number 22, which was the old, the last dates car. And I think that was Timmy DeWine that bought that car. And I think Hawksby was in it. Um, what year would that have been? Maybe 86 by then. So I think he had the two car before that. And, uh, Wayne DeGroff drove for Joe in the, in the two, a couple times while Joe was in that 22. And then I think they went back. I think Joe went back to the 22 number and then back to the two, I think is how that worked. Um, cause I think when Dave Wauks raced for Joe, I think that was 22, but then he went, he, he went back to the number two and maybe that might've been because maybe Doug Sonier snuck in the 22 before Joe could register it or whatever. But, but Joe, um, Joe was, was alternating or kind of intermittent between two and 22 for, um, for, for much of his career, but then he finished as the two, um, and then, of course, it was Joe Jr. that picked that up. And then um, there was uh, Dave Heitzhouse that drove for senior a little bit. Um, Bentley ran a race in Joe's number two uh, when his car broke. I think that might have been in the Mazer days. Um, shoot. Um, and so then from there... Um, I think it was it was Joe Jr. Joey that ran with the number two, and then when he was done, which would have been uh, late nineties or maybe early two thousands, I guess, when he stopped racing. Um. Hmm. See this again. This is where I'm going to fall apart here. So I think I got that right. I don't know that there was anybody on a regular basis be between. Um, the, the mid seven, the late seventies. And then Joe being the two, I don't know if there was a two in between there. Um, unless it was an out of town car. I'm not sure there was a regular two car at Oswego, um, before Joe changed the two. And then, um, Joe had that, like I said, most of the rest of his career, he was the two, and to finish his career. And then Joey Jr. took the two forward. And then, like I said, Heights House had driven for senior a couple of times. Um, and uh, gosh, when Joey Jr. finished, that's where, um, where I have to think now because um, I don't know that there's been. And, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those situations where that's a number that is so, and with all, again, I'll do respect to the Hawksby's, 
Um, that number is so much about the, the Purdy car. It's almost like you can't retire the number, right? Because, you know, and I, like I said, I'm not a big fan of that anyway, but, but, but like that car just needs to be put back. That car needs to be brought back because I'm glad that it is because that's one of those cars that should be, you know, there should be a museum in the middle of the pit area where everybody can see it all the time, right? <laughs> From the grandstands, it just should be, you know, some sort of, of impenet- impenetrable um, plexiglass shrine. And that car and, and you know, the other super should be, um, because everybody should understand the history of that car and what it meant to the division. Because it just, wow, you know, it, it, it um, and, and it's so exciting. Like I said, for somebody like me and, and, and all of you who are in my era, um, seeing that car come back, maybe almost eclipses all others for me. Um, even the champagne cars. Um, I love those and can't wait to see Jimmy Paternoster finally finish the rear engine whenever he gets to it. But, but the, uh, Man, the little deuce was just the little deuce, right? That was just that car almost stands uh, by itself. I feel like in a way, and and, and um and, and and as I said, as we get through between now two and thirty five for the rest of the car numbers, um, there are a few of the numbers that I believe are more emblematic of cars than drivers. You know, so we'll get we'll it'll be fun to to kind of keep talking about those. Okay. So um, I'll leave the two car there um, and uh, trying to think anybody I missed. And I know, again, I know there's got to be somebody in the 2000s. And I'm going to like, they're going to go, well, duh, you didn't say, well, you know, the brain is a faulty thing uh, when you get, when you get up in the years. Okay. And again, remember, I, I, I was much more involved in those eras than, than the current one. The, the 2000s for me, a lot of it's been, you know, remote and hate that. It's just where life took it, took me. So, um, okay. So on to the 11. Now the 11 for me is kind of an interesting one because uh, most of it, I feel like, again, there's a driver. Clearly Brian Herb is the 11. I, I don't care who else is raced it. Brian Herb's the 11. And again, some of the most beautiful cars that ever laid, that ever, that ever set out onto the speedway, um, ever came through the pit gate. Brian Herb built cars that were just drop dead gorgeous. You know, that little emoji on Facebook with the two hearts for eyes, you know, um, that was pretty much every car Brian Herb ever built. Even the one he didn't paint was still a really cool looking car. His first offset, right? He didn't, he, that was a that was a primer car, and it was still an awesome car. Um, Brian just that was his number. Okay, now when I first started going to the races, um, golly, what number was Johnny Burkholder? When he eleven. And I also feel like maybe Cecil Stevens was 11, but I'll probably, that's probably not right. Um, and see that car, that Cecil Stevens car, the one I remember, and I think it was Cecil and I think he was from Canada, right? Wasn't he a Canadian guy? It was the, the chuck wagon looking car with, the, you know, little red and white checkers. Wasn't he 11? 
And I, I want to say Johnny Burkholder had an 11 at one point too. But then then Brian showed up and he had 11 for ages um, from the mid-70s through whenever he stopped racing. When, when would that have been? That was what, probably mid-80s, right? Um, then his, his kid took over and changed the number to 92. I don't know why. Um, but um, for some reason, Mike made it 92. And uh, had his dad's last car. And then we had, let's see, do we have, because the next one that comes to mind is the Crusetti. Oh, that, well, he would have been, that was first, right? Back in the 60s was the Crusetti 11. And another one, I'll never, I have no idea. Like, I remember, shoot, Ronnie Wallace, right? Uh, I don't even know in the, in the, in the original Crusetti 11, um, you guys will have to fill in the blanks on that one. Cause again, that's before my time. And I think there were a bunch of different drivers that raced that car or at least several, but Ronnie was the w- one that I know did. Um, and then when, um, when that came back, um, what car, cause it was a Graves car. So this would have been the nineties. Um, I don't remember if it was a new Graves car or if it was a bought car from somebody, but it might've been the old Rogers five, maybe, or were they racing at the same time? I can't remember, but, um, I know it was a Graves chassis and, um, boy, again, I'm going to miss here. Uh, Bobby Smith, I know drove it. Oh, and that was, wasn't there a Bob Smith that ran the deuce? Pretty deuce. Now that I think about that, maybe not. Um, but anyways, uh, Bobby Smith ran the, the Crusetti 11. Kenny Williamson, I think maybe. Oh boy. Um, cause, cause they had, they had a few different drivers. Who were they? Um, Hmm. Timmy Nelson, maybe did Timmy drive it a few times? Um, I don't remember, but that car was around for, for a while and it was the same folks. I think that owned the first turn in, right? When not the same, same, same guy, same group. Um, so they, they, uh, I'm trying to think who else might've driven that car. Uh, cause again, that's, um, I think that's all I remember, but I, I know that I'm sure there was probably more. Um, it was, it, it's interesting to think, <laughs> think about the fact that Bobby Smith, I mean, when you think about Bobby's career now, Bobby was, he was a protege of Joe Gozik, right? He was, he was young. He, he worked on Joe's career, I think. Um, and, uh, eventually became a fireman, I believe. And, uh, Bobby, Bobby drove a lot of different cars. Um, and, and the 11, I, I know is one of them. He drove, um, he drove for Ralph McLaughlin. He drove for Norris McDonald. He drove for himself, you know, a couple different times when he had his own stuff, uh, drove the old, the, uh, Tony Vecchio modified and did really well with that. Smitty, uh, Smitty drove a number and he drove that Capricorn. 
<laughs> Poor guy. I even I I always laugh because it's it. And I don't mean to laugh. It's really not funny. Um, but it's just like, oh my gosh, I just can remember that. I remember that impact like it happened an hour ago. Like it's frozen in my mind. Um, and it's a miracle, by the way. Thank the good Lord above that Bobby didn't get seriously hurt in that crash because boy, he just hit that pit wall a ton with that capper car. But, um, you know, I just, you just, like, oh gosh. Uh, again, boy, if it, Capper built some cars and it's like, man, what could have been, right? Um, but yeah, Smitty ended up for, for, for as short of a time as he actually raced, he, he accomplished a lot more uh, with the equipment than a lot of people give him probably give him credit for i always thought smitty was a better racer it's just you know people remember him for all the bone jarring crashes but um you know he he was a really good racer but yeah i think he might have been the first driver in the crusetti car um if not i i don't know who would have been um but the 11 car, the 11 number to me will always, no matter what, um, going forward, will always be, uh, will always be about Brian Herb. And then, um, when I think, uh, didn't Graham, wasn't 11 one of the numbers Graham used for a bit? Um, I'm trying to think like in the, uh, in the era of, um, the the booth car that he had wasn't that eleven for a bit. I think he had an eleven, didn't he? And I think that would have been the last uh, uh, because wasn't that the car? Uh, gosh, what's her name? Um, the the lady driver that now there again. You're you're seeing how how my brain works these days. Um, the short term memory is worse than the long term. Um, I can't remember uh, her name, and I will as soon as I stop recording this. But. Uh, um, she was sponsored by Corpac. See, I remember that. How do I not remember her name? But she won a heat race. Wasn't she the first female to win a heat race? Um, I don't think she ever got a feature, but, um, but yeah, I think that pretty sure that car was number 11. Um, and that, that would have been, um, that would have been the last, uh, of the sort of, you know, competitive big time number 11s, right? Do we have, we don't have a current one, do we? Man, I just feel like I'm going to get shelled on this on this eleven. But but you know, it it to me, no matter what, it's always going to be Brian Herb. Uh, you know, it's just how I remember it. And man, that race that Brian won. Um, oh my gosh! I mean, I'll never forget him beating Doug Haveron in that feature. Um. Doug was on seven cylinders, but you know what? Um, it, how many drivers can we name that have won races on seven, right? So um, slower on the straights, but faster in the corners. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, that 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 win, I, I think I, I remember just being, you know, I was a little emotional that night because I love seeing drivers get their first wins anyways because I recognize the work that goes into that accomplishment. Right. Um, and, um, man, that just, uh, 
Uh, that win was 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 just stunning, and and you know you watched him, and he had uh, he had so many beautiful cars, and had such bad luck at times, and then you but you knew that it was there that car, particular car that he won with. It was what eighty two? Would it have been eighty two? I think right. Um, that beautiful offset red car. He had the red helmet. Sold that car to the, um, oh boy, um, Staley. Was it Staley or Stahl? Um, uh, and it became number 25. They made it orange. And, and I think, wasn't it Dave Schillick that started the year in it? And then I don't know what happened. And Jamie Moore ended up in it. And then somehow even I think he ended up out of it. And then Brian Herb, I think Brian got it back for the classic, didn't he? And got a top five with it. <laughs> um but that car was so just gorgeous, right? Jessica Zemkin, see, there we go. The brain, it, it's slow, but it gets there. Jessica Zemkin was the, the one I remember, and I'm pretty sure that was number 11. It was Graham Carr. She won, raced it only for a year, I think, and um, that was it. So, um, okay. So there you go. There's, uh, there's what I can do again. There's probably other 11s. I know somebody, I, boy, I'm, I'm going to get the 11s, the one that's going to trip me up. I'm not sure there's too many because the, the, the ones that you'll fill in on the deuce, I'm pretty sure are the earlier, uh, sixties pretty guys. And, um, there may have been, you know, here and there, uh, some short term deuces, that showed up or came in a race, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I got most of that. I don't recall anyone else other than Bentley and Heights house running for Hawksby senior. Um, and then of course, Wayne DeGroff, who we mentioned and, um, then Joey jr. And, and I don't know that anybody ever drove Joey jr's car as the deuce. Um, I think, uh, I think once Joey retired, uh, you know, there were no more Hawksby deuces. So, um, you know, I think I got most of those, but the 11's the one I feel like is going to sort of sneak up on me. Um, and I do remember by the way, and, and this is just sort of a little, I don't know why I remember this, but can't remember half of what I can't, but, um, I remember Nolan Swift. I don't know if he just sat in that Herb car, the one that Brian won with. I don't know if Nolan just sat in it or if he took it around pit lane, but goodness gracious <laughs> you know i know there had to be at least one person there that was going is he coming back um you know that's uh it, it's funny and i think brian um somewhere i have to believe there was some sort of common thinking there because if you think back to the car that brian had in the late 70s no mid 70s that number 11 the white one if you look at that car, it has a lot of swift car looking features on it. The front end, the overall design of the car. Now the roll cage was different than, than what Swift and Wright had on their, you know, early, early to mid seventies cars. But if you look at that car, Brian built that white number 11, that he ran in like 75, six, seven, whatever that looks an awful lot like the Swift design. So I, I suspect that there might've been some sort of, you know, uh, nod to that design when Brian built it. I have to believe there was some sort of a thing in mind there. If, if not some, 
some back and forth between the two of them. I'm just guessing, but um, I was looking at an old program not too long ago. I was looking at that car, and I said, that that really looks like something Nolan Swift could have built. So um, if you look at it, it's it, it bears a lot of resemblance. Okay, so this this went way longer than I expected, but again, that's why we're uh, we're breaking off the season rewind, and we're gonna we're gonna start those um, the first week in February, and we're just gonna put you might you might see those are are gonna be hopefully weekly, and and you know we we want to get through seventy two and then go into seventy three because again we we're, that started as a fifty years ago kind of idea. And it happened that we started it in 22. So therefore it would have been 1972. So this year, 73. So, um, and you may see, you may see me start the 73s while we're still doing the 72s. Guess what? More content. So that's the whole idea is I had to figure out a way to sort of, so we're just going to, we're going to break some of these off into their own little, little entities, little series, but it's all going to be part of the inside groove umbrella. Okay, so thanks to all of you f- who who listen. Thanks again to our sponsors who help us out. Um, please share the show. Don't keep it a secret. Put it out there. Share it for everybody so that we can uh, let everybody in on the secret that Supermodified Racing is still the all-time greatest short track division ever in the history of the world. Um, and uh, again, have a, uh, a great week, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you on episode number 112, where we will do number three <laughs> and number 12 uh, on that show. And um, we have a cool special guest lined up as well. Have a great week. God bless and so long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.